Today's episode of Tarpod is brought to you by the fine folk at the Eiters. Craig, you know that's us, you dickhead. <laughs> well, slap me happy, so it is. Do you reckon everybody in our network knows what the Eiters are, Lauren? Well, they should by now. The Eiters are the Internal Talent Awards, where we recognise the best of the best in the internal talent industry. That's right. And this year in September, we are going to party like it's 1999. I think I'm going to be partying like COVID's freaking <laughs> over. But yes, there's going to be 300 plus people, 16 awards, entertainment, a signature cocktail called the Laurentini, and a partridge in a pear tree. So head on over to internaltalentawards.com and get your tickets now. Award nominations will open in May, so start putting them together right now, everybody. <laughs> Can't wait to see you all there. And don't forget to tell them, Tarpod sent you. Listening to Tarpod. We talk talent engagement and mobility with the experts. That means you get the best info, knowledge, and advice with a side of fun. Now, here are the pair that sound younger than they look Lauren Sharp and Craig Watson. Hi everyone, welcome to Tarpod. I'm Craig. And I'm Lauren. And today we have a fabulous special guest, Omer Molad, the CEO and co-founder of Vervo. Welcome, Welcome, Omer. welcome. It's great to finally get you on. Yes. Hey Lauren, hey Craig, thanks for having me. No, thank you for coming on and giving us your time. But before we get into talking about Vervo, I just have a quick question. You have a rather large team over in the Ukraine at the moment, and I want to know how are they going? Yeah, I appreciate you asking. We have 14 people in uh, Ukraine. 12, 12 of them are in the country at the moment, and two happen to be outside the country when the invasion started. Uh, they're all safe or they're all unharmed and they're in different parts of Ukraine, including Kiev. Um, and, and most of them are actually phenomenally uh, still working. Oh, wow. And, um, and, and look, what I'd say is that um, we're just in admiration of their spirit and their resilience. Um, and one of them, um, a week ago, I asked, how are you? How are you feeling? And the answer I got was proud. Mm. And it's not what I expected to hear but actually makes sense. Mm. Um, and, and that's how they feel. Yeah. They feel proud of their country and we're proud of them and we're doing everything we can to support them, um, which feels like very little, that, yeah. that there's very little we can do, um, mm. but we're doing everything we can do. And, um, you know, it's one day at a time with them, but the main thing is that at the moment they're, uh, they're safe. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's incredible of- to watch from afar and I think that their President Zelensky, is, uh, that is what a leader is. If you want to see an example, I think he's just showing the world this is what you do. And as much solidarity as possible from people from Tarpod and the listeners as well. And, you know, so much love to your team over in Ukraine yeah. and anybody else. Stay as strong, well. Ukraine. Yeah, stay strong. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, today we are going to talk about candidate experience in candidate short markets. Before we do that, I want to thank you for your ongoing support as a business and also being the silver oh, sponsor yes. for the ITAS for last year and for 2022 with the photo booth and some other amazing things will be coming out. So thanks so much for your support. It's th- these sort of events and um, looking out, out for the industry couldn't happen without companies like Fervo. So thanks so much for that. 
It's our pleasure and we're very happy to partner with you guys. Oh, thank you. I can't wait to get in front of the photo booth and use some of those props and do some stupid photos. (laughs) (laughs) I need an in-person event. Can't tell I'm hanging for it. (laughs) Hey, Amir, recently you hosted a series of eight webinars on solving the skills shortage with a lot of really smart people joining you and talking about things such as building strong employer brands, seamless CX, screening in, not out, on new starters, reliable pools of top talent, potential versus experience, all these sorts of things. And I know that Vervo is a solution that helps in a lot of these areas, but today we really want to focus in on solving the skills shortage and the type of things that we can do. So why don't you tell us a little bit, for those who don't know, a little bit about Vervo and how you your mission is to make hiring based on merit, not background, and, and how you, you do that. Yeah, so in in short, um, what we want to do is uh, help companies hire people who will be great at at the job that they applied for. Mm. Um, And we think that the best way to do that is to give people an opportunity to showcase their talent and and do a, a small slice of the job. So see people do the job before they get the job, like an audition, like in the movies. Um, And so if you want to know if someone can weld metal, watch them weld metal. Don't worry about um, did they work at Google or did they go to Harvard or do they say that they're smart? Actually give them an opportunity Mm. to do it. Um, And not just just five people out of the hundred who applied, but the whole hundred, all of the people who have applied, because um, you don't know, there might be some that you eliminate based on their resume and it turns out that they're awesome, Mm. um, but they didn't have the you know, the signals that you were looking for. So true. Um, and so you're missing out on people uh, by doing that. And so um, at a fundamental level, that's what we try and do. And we focus on skills um, and we really talk about two dimensions, job-specific skills, often known as hard skills. So mm-hmm. things like, can you sell software? Um, are you good at um, customer support? Can you write code? Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then general work skills or soft skills, skills that apply to most jobs like openness to feedback or attention to detail or teamwork. Uh, and we, we test that in context. So um, if, if you need uh, resilience in your, in your role, a sales development rep might need resilience because they get told no a lot. Um, but, you know, we were talking just before about the floods at, at, at Lismore. Um, if you're in a an an SES call center person mm. um, and you get phone calls about from people who are, um, you know, experience, experiencing some sort of um, really tricky situation, you need to be resilient as well, but that's different from the salesperson, sure. right? And so we're big believers in context, put people in the context of the role in the company, get them to perform tasks and, and so we call that skills-based hiring. Yeah. And a lot of it's like flipping the process to an extent too, isn't it? Because these tasks that you're having um, candidates do come early on in the process, don't they? Typically, we sit towards the top of the funnel. Mm. Not always. Um, it, it's, it's not a blunt instrument. It's very flexible. So in roles that are more senior or harder to fill, where you might have to get buy-in from the candidates first, sure. We um, will often be deployed further down the funnel um, and fewer candidates, but most commonly will sit towards the top of the funnel. And so you're, you're sort of removing all the other, replacing all the other screening methods and really giving people a chance to show what they can do upon application and using that as the main signal to determine who to pass through to an interview. Mm. Yeah. Well, we're finding that more and more candidates in this candidate short market are withdrawing from processes in recruitment 
due to time and due to, I guess, opportunity in other areas. And and I think all people in recruitment at the moment in the chain are trying to find ways to make the process shorter without losing any quality. In fact, probably improving the quality of the process. And these sort of tasks allow that because, you know, the time it takes to prepare a resume or change your resume for each role you mm. apply for, the time in between setting up an interview, then the second interview, then the third interview, then the fourth interview, we're losing so many people out of the process. Well, why do we need three interviews? We don't. I know, right? I know, right? But th- some of this stuff, you know, the, the stuff that Vervo does in this task-orientated um, process can eliminate the need for second, third, fourth, fifth um, interviews in, in in many cases because, like you said, you, people are actually you're seeing them do the job before they get the job. It's it's exactly right. So typically, what we see the first two things that are eliminated are the resume and phone screening, and then we usually take out about two thirds of the interview. So our customers most commonly will interview about a third of the people that that they used to Mm -hmm. um, before they started using us. And so instead of this sort of back and forth, like you mentioned, Lauren, of three interviews and um, scheduling time, whether it's over Zoom or in person and back and forth and a phone screen and all of that, it's usually collapsed into one to one and a half stages. It's asynchronous. It can happen instantly. And so within 24 hours, you can get a short list and focus on a handful of people that are that you've already verified can do the job. Now, what that means from a candidate perspective, there's a lot less fatigue, you're spending less time, but importantly in this market, which is probably one of the toughest uh, hiring markets we've seen in a long, long time, you can get offers out much, much quicker, Mm. right? Because you've got, you you know, your competitors are spending three to four weeks screening Mm. and within 48 hours, you can have offers in front of the top, person or handful of people, depending on how many people you're hiring into the role, um, because you've you've essentially condensed and automated a lot of that screening into one or one and a half steps. Yeah. And is it true that the system um, ranks candidates based on how well they, they perform the job-related tasks in the in the assessment? It, exactly. That's that's exactly what it does. And we're not the ones determining what good looks like. We only know how to test for it. You, the client, knows what a good employee looks like. And so our clients train the models based on their preferences. So if you have two clients, uh, two customers of ours trying to fill a role with the same, you know, theoretically the same role with the same title, their candidates will be ranked slightly differently because they care about slightly different things, even if it's both roles are front-end engineer or, you know, enterprise salesperson, they're not going to want the exact same person Mm. because they have different operating rhythms, different cultures, et cetera. So they train the models based on their preferences and they'll each essentially have a unique ranking. I watched a webinar that you guys had recently around your simulators. Can you just give us a little bit of insight into that? Yeah, so what we mean by a simulator is putting people in a work environment that is as close as possible to the actual job. So it could be using Slack or using right. Salesforce. or and, and in this case, what we did, the first simulator we released was a customer support, customer service simulator, and, and it simulates a high-ticket uh, support 
environment. So think of Zendesk or any of these yep. tools where you've got a ton of tickets and you're flooded and there's time pressure and you've got to respond quickly. And so what it does is you're, you're literally like in the desktop. It, it feels like you're in that application and it's a 10-minute simulation. You have uh, support tickets on the left and each one has a number of options. And, and so we look at things like what order are they doing them in, what answers are they selecting for each one. And so the candidate really feels like they're doing the job um, yeah. for a short period of time. So it, it's we're trying to um, we're always aspiring to get sort of more and more realistic and closer mm. and closer to the job. I mean, the, the sort of non-virtual uh, version of that is come into the office for a week. Uh, and yeah. work with it, which is fantastic. It's just nobody has who has time for that. And you can't do that with a hundred applicants. So we're trying to use technology to to sort of capture a, a slice of that, if you like, but with all the benefits of data and scale. Yeah, and it's creating the same stresses. So if they're if they're sitting in a simulator and doing the actual job, it's it's not like a, I guess what I would consider a normal assessment where it might be, you know, in a completely different environment. Here they're in the job environment while they're doing it. Exactly. We're trying to be as job specific and context specific as we can. Um, and so the, we, we did, um, we launched a customer service one and now we're working on uh, business analyst, data science and design in the next three that we're releasing in the next few months. Um, and so, and it's not easy because you've got to get a lot right. You've got mm. to create that sort of environment. Mm. Um, uh, but, but that sort of uh, customers love it because it just gives you a real sense of how someone will perform when they're faced with tasks that they're actually going to do when you hire them. That's yeah. the goal. That's what we're striving towards. So this can be also useful in a volume recruitment sense as well, couldn't it? If you're hiring a lot of contact centre people or those types of things in simulating those um, day-to-day tasks that they're going to do. Yeah, it's a massive use case for us, Lauren. The, um, we do a ton of customer service, CX, call mm-hmm. centre, support, um, lot of, and there's a lot of volume typically in those types of roles. Um, so we work with BPOs, we work with corporates who have big call centres um, and they love this kind of stuff because there's a ton of volume. It's very hard to know off a resume or off a phone screen who's oh, yeah. going to be good. So technology is really um, a good enabler in those use cases. So we do a lot of customer service type uh, hiring. Isn't it funny how much faith we put in resumes what's written down on a bit of paper that someone can achieve without actually... But it's not necessary for some of these roles. Like, as you just said, Omar, it's um, the their contact centre people. They've got to have a good phone manner. They've got to have a listening. They've got to have yep. different types of skills. It doesn't bloody matter if they've worked in McDonald's, KFC or in a tyre-fitting joint. If they can it, do it, that, they can. It, it doesn't matter. And we continue to see time and time again that there are so many different pathways to getting to, to developing skills. Mm. Uh, people have taken different pathways um, and, and, and so often the traditional hiring process gives an advantage to people who are um, either come from a background of privilege where they've been fortunate enough to get into, um, you know, good universities and, and, and all that kind of stuff um, or people who are good at selling themselves. And, by the way, selling yourself is a skill. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. That's great, especially yeah. if you're going to work in sales. Mm-hmm. That that doesn't necessarily indicate you're going to be good at the job or happy at that company, right? <laughs> so there's nothing wrong with, with, with selling yourself, but that's not enough to know that someone's going to be good. And if you're trying to hire developers, 
how much are you going to get out of having a sort of chit-chat style interview with them? Not a lot. You get something, not zero, but you need to know um, can they write code? Now, even that's not enough. You want to know um, how they're going to work in a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, are they going to, um, uh, how open are they to feedback? How coachable? So there, there's a lot of things that go into making uh, a well, good true. hiring decision. Yeah. One of the things Some I- devs, I must say, are very attached to their code and they take <laughs> it extremely personally when you right. add a little bit of criticism or a slight improvement. <laughs> One of the things I really like is these simulators or, or um, Vevo assessments really take away a lot of the bias too because, yeah. you know, Phone. You talked about maybe some parts of it replacing phone screens. Phone screens, no matter what, there's bias involved. Um, interviewing processes, there's bias involved. Uh, the way individuals review a resume, there's bias involved. And it's it's mm. you know. And yet, if we put someone in a position where you're saying, okay, this is what it's going to be like, go in there. Have a crack. I think that's a key too. In a candidate short market, taking that bias away, you are opening up your candidate pool so much more. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And I think that's a um, that's an underrated point. So mm. in this market, uh, smart companies will think differently and, and not stick to some, some sort of narrow construct of a profile of who they need to hire, mm. but they'll look at, um, different talent pools, people from different backgrounds, people in different locations, emerging candidates, and perhaps mm. less experienced. In terms of uh, how we think about bias, uh, so here's the honest truth about how we think about bias. Uh, you're never, ever, ever going to eliminate all. We are biased. As you, we have opinions, yes. okay? And, and I promise you, even in a process, if you um, crossed out the names of the people and all that, you, at the end, you're going to look them up on LinkedIn, Right, yeah. so you're not you're not going to hire people that, that you have no idea, like an anonymous uh, mm-hmm. people. That so, so that's not the point. That's not what we're trying to achieve. What we try and do is delay the impression that a hiring manager or recruiter forms of a candidate from the point of application to after you've seen their work. Yeah. Okay. You still get. We don't hide anything. You still you need to know who they are. It matters who they are. Okay. But once you've seen them do work that's relevant to the job, your brain gets rewired and now you're focused and you go, wow, this person's awesome. Wow, they're like 52 years old and a woman from Canberra. I thought they're going to be a 28-year-old guy from wherever, yeah, you know, because yeah, you yeah. have in your mind this mm. thing. And what this does is it takes it out and you go, wow, the person that's, that was the best they don't look how I thought they would look. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And, and then what you end up saying is I just hired, the most common feedback we get is I just hired someone I normally would have screened out. Once that happens, you're forever changed because you realise that you, you've sort of been lying to yourself until now. <laughs> and we all do. We're all, I'm bi- we're all biased. We can't help it. That's how we're configured. And so we're trying to delay that impression. It, it, it's a small change, but it's impactful mm. to after you've seen them do the work that's relevant to the job. Amazing. Um. Flipping it again, do you have any feedback or data on the candidate experience? So we're talking about um, changing the view of the hiring manager and, and you know, delaying mm. any bias. But I would assume from um, candidates who are involved in a process like this, it would be very different to what they've been involved with before. And is there positive feedback? How, what's the feedback from candidates? Yeah. So um, there's a couple of things we do. We analyze all the data to see where there's candidate drop-off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also NPS all the candidates. But 
um, you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt because you have to also look at the behavior, not just hear the feedback. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and the research tells us a couple of things that are really significant. Um, so there's two big things that candidates really want. The first is they want an opportunity to put their best foot forward. They don't want to be eliminated without getting getting an opportunity. And the second thing is they want, they want to be kept informed throughout the process. So um, no is okay, but a slow no or never hearing back, that's not okay. Yeah. So people want to hear, hey, you're not a good fit. Um, you know, ideally this is why, but even you're not a good fit. They don't want to wait four weeks and they certainly don't want to never hear back. And so um, we've optimized our candidate experience to solve for those two things. One, making them feel like it's an opportunity to succeed, not root canal. Yeah. Not 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 a hoop to jump through, but an opportunity to put your best foot forward. And second, to be we're constantly pushing our, our customers to um, make decisions, get an answer, reject, accept, progress. Mm. Um, in terms of the data, we discovered. So um, we use a number of different formats uh, in terms of the functionality of the platform: coding, text, multiple choice, you know, video, um, document, simulators, whatever, um, PowerPoint. And what we realized is that um, any more than three, so three video responses or more, uh, is a big inflection point. You get mm. big candidate drop-off. Mm. Uh, and so we, we started saying to our clients, look, um, you know, two video questions, that's it. And if you're hiring engineers, zero is fine as well. They hate <laughs> it. Um, zero videos are also okay. Um, and so, and, and it's also how to use video. So a great way to use video is to get someone to do a task and then get them to um, explain in video why they did it in a certain way to talk about. People love talking about their work. Yeah. Mm. They're, they're passionate about it. Um, but what you don't want to do is have 12 video questions in a row with a time limit because it freaks you out. Who wants to, what's That's terrifying. Mm. And so it's, it's small things like that that helped us understand uh, how to make it um you know, uh, enjoyable maybe is too aspirational, but but an opportunity to succeed for the candidate rather than you know um, anxiety inducing. That's not uh, what what you want it to be. Mm. Maybe I should do a TikTok dance. Oh, gee. Maybe you should. I think it'll get a lot of engagement. Yeah, I don't, I don't know whether it'd be positive, though. Well, yeah, but engagement's engagement, so engagement right? All PR is good PR. That's exactly what I was about to say. Right. Well, look, I mean, every person that Lauren and I speak to in the talent acquisition market is talking about the candidate shortage and uh, – where candidates are dropping out during the process, you know, and what we've discussed today, there's opportunity to look at something like Vervo, mm. uh, if you haven't already, to to explore it, you know, get a demo. Uh, if if it improves your, you know, mm. your your hiring success, why wouldn't you at least have the discussion? So, if people wanted to reach out to Vervo, how would they contact you? Yeah, so that um, we're, we're very easy to find uh, vervo.com, v-r-v-o-e.com, and Right on the homepage, there's um, a, a button that where you can request a demo. There's also a free trial, so you can actually, um, if you're not ready to speak to someone, you can just sort of kick the tires on on your own. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find um, Mel McDonald in Sydney on LinkedIn. Um, we're, we're pretty easy to uh, to reach, uh, and through the website is typically the way uh, people come in, and then our team will talk to them. And it, some already have an immediate need. Um, mm. Some want to learn more. Um, some want to come to a webinar um, and and hear about it. We 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 have customers who 
talk to us for 18 months um, before they were ready to buy. And we've got customers who are now on their third company that's um, used Vervo yeah. um, wow. as well. Real, and really, really good. And I mean, I've learned a lot. And I think it's the part of the beauty of it is it's 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 a it's very um, simple concept to get across, right? Mm. You know, it's and it's solving a problem that everybody in the industry is having. Pool, and which is something we all need in across so many industries at the moment. And we've talked forever about relying less and less on resume. And here's a way that we can start doing it. Mm, yeah. I think so. Thanks so much for your time today, Amir. Amir, thank you. And pass our uh, heartfelt wishes on to your Ukrainian team for us, please. Yeah. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks, Craig. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. No worries. Okay. And that's a goodbye from me. And a goodbye from me, everybody. Bye-bye. Today's ripping episode of Tarpod was brought to you by The Eiters. We celebrate the best the internal talent industry has to offer because you deserve it. So jump on the website, internaltalentawards.com, and get your ticket for the industry's Night of Nights in September this year. We'll share a laugh and maybe a cheeky drink or two. Uh, Lauren, I didn't think you touched alcohol. Okay, I'll have a mineral water, but you people need to have a Laurentini. So for the items, I'll do anything occasionally. Maybe I'll have one Laurentini. I don't know. And don't forget to tell them, everybody. Tarpod sent you. Thanks for listening to Tarpod. And please don't forget to subscribe. And make sure you listen to the outtakes at the end of the episode. They're usually the best bit. Hello. So you <laughs> fucked yourself right up there, didn't you, Tiger? <laughs> Microphone not plugged in. Rookie error. <laughs> Fuck with error. <laughs> oh, shit. I think you've been doing this long enough that you're not a rookie. You're just a fuckwit.